And now, podcasting from a two-person hot tub high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK, Rick, and their highly paid intern, Malort. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. And I have my good friend, Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital on the line. How are you, Pam? I'm excellent. How are you today? I'm doing well, and thank you for uh, providing Dr. Jerry to spend some time with us last week. I was able to to ask her some questions about newborns and expectant mothers, and uh, I know we have some listeners that have been asking questions about that, so they, they got those all answered. So thank you very much. Well, you are very welcome. I think she is a very smart physician, and I'm glad she was able to have the opportunity to get to share her knowledge with our community. And I I want you to know I'm looking out my window, because I have to say this, (laughs) and it's cloudy looking outside, but I hear it's going to be in the 80s in a few days, so I'm looking forward to summer coming upon us. I think it might even hit 80 tomorrow at some point. We can cross our fingers, right? (laughs) That's right. So the last time we talked... Things had kind of stabilized, um, although the, there were a decent amount of COVID patients, and the same thing last week when we talked with Dr. Derry. So can you give us an update on your inpatients? Absolutely. So I think they've still stabilized. They actually are getting maybe a little bit better. So last week we had 25 positive patients with five on vents and zero waiting results, and today we have 20 positive patients with two on vents and two awaiting results. And last week we had had 181 deaths, and this week we had 183, so two additional deaths over the week. Uh, DuPage County went from 90,000 positive patients to 90,835 positive patients, and their deaths went from 1,361 up to 1,373, and the state went from 1,360,000 positive patients to 1,370,000 positive patients, with deaths going from 24,577 to deaths of 24,801. And for the good news, we discharged, we had discharged 1,771 last week, and we have now discharged 1,793 patients. So excellent number of patients going home. You know, every week when we talk, you give me the number of inpatients awaiting results. Uh, are most of those inpatients uh, probable COVID patients that are awaiting results? Yes. Okay. So they're showing some sort of symptoms that lead the staff to believe that, correct? Correct. So uh, we all have been listening to the news and know that there's new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control that are saying that fully vaccinated folks don't need to wear masks uh, when they're indoors. And does that apply to hospitals also, or is that just most buildings? That applies to most buildings, not the hospital. So the current CDC guidelines do do not apply to hospital settings or any healthcare settings. So we will currently require universal masking for all healthcare workers and visitors, and this will also apply to all of our outpatient sites. And I know it's very disappointing because everybody wants to take that mask off. Hopefully they're all vaccinated. Remember, it's vaccinated people taking the masks off, not those that are not vaccinated. 
but for us, we cannot take a chance that somebody would be in here that is uh, not vaccinated and and may be ill. So we have to comply with still keeping our masks on. So going one step further, uh, the governor has indicated that as of now, he plans on June 11th to lift all COVID restrictions. So will that also apply to hospitals where you won't have to have any restrictions and any restrictions you would have would be self-imposed? Not necessarily. It depends on what the CDC has to say. It's not necessarily the governor who's ruling what we do. So, um, you know, we currently have developed some teams who will be addressing this phase five of the Illinois reopening and um, and we'll determine how we will implement that within our hospital setting and our outpatient settings. We will maintain any established COVID-related protocols such as social distances, social distancing in our waiting rooms and COVID testing procedures because we want to make sure that we don't have any risk that somebody um, might come in for a procedure that has COVID and impact affecting other people. So we would have to do our testing. And we are working on how we're going to be able to increase our capacity um, for having visitors. So we're re-reviewing our visitor policies to ensure that we continue with infection prevention practices and keep everybody safe, but also try to get visitors fully back into the hospital as we have before COVID began. I know one of your favorite things to do is get out your crystal ball that I ask (laughs) you to do every once in a while. And and look into the future. So what is your gut like, let's say three years out, the pandemic's behind us, do you think there's still going to be a lot more mask wearing within the walls of hospitals than there there was a year and a half ago? Well, didn't I hear Dr. Fauci say he thinks we're going to be wearing masks forever, basically, in terms of during flu season? I, you know, my crystal ball doesn't have any answers, but I would imagine the fact that we didn't have really any flu this year might encourage people that either are sick to wear masks when they are out in public so that they help prevent spread of disease. Um, I think that might be something that happens just organically, but not everybody's going to follow that because a lot of people don't want to follow it even when it's absolutely necessary. So we'll see. We've been hearing a lot over the last six months about variants of the coronavirus. Are there any known variants in the in the general realm of medicine that are not um, um, you, that you're not protected from via one of the all three of the vi- uh, the vaccines? You know that's a really good question. So the COVID vaccines are expected to provide some type of protection against the new virus variants. The vaccines produce a broad immune response, which provides an individual protection. And even though the vaccines are not 100% effective, we are seeing individuals acquire COVID who were vaccinated with their illness, but that illness is usually very, very mild, which at least that's some good news. So it may not be 100% effective against all the variants, but it is somewhat effective and so helping to make the disease less difficult for people. So I'm going to ask you a leading question. I think I know the answer to this. Um, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and and that is, um, we've heard a lot about herd immunity and whether or not that will be reached. And obviously, the key to that herd immunity is a lot of folks getting vaccinated. So if people continue to hesitate to get vaccinated, are we at risk that one of those new variants will eventually emerge that is resistant 
to the vaccines and we could have an, an entirely new pandemic? So we are hopeful that the herd immunity will be reached either with the vaccine or those that have recovered from COVID, even those that may not know they recovered from COVID and have and have natural immunities. But so far, based on the clinical trials, there has been no concerns addressed regarding resistance to um, that would be building up and start a new pandemic for the new variants of the vaccine. So. Um, we're not concerned about that at this point, and I'm, we're hopeful that that doesn't happen. Please don't put that out in the universe so the universe has that happen, because right now that is not what we're worried about. We really need people to get vaccinated, don't we? We do. We And so for anybody out there who has not gotten vaccinated, please go get vaccinated. I know that a lot of people just think, well, I haven't gotten it yet, so I'm not going to get it. But you, you're still putting everybody else at risk. So please get vaccinated. So I haven't asked you about side effects of the vaccines in a while, and I used to ask you about that every week. My question is, have you had any patients that have been hospitalized as a result of side effects from the vaccine? So we have had some people hospitalized who they thought were hospitalized from side effects from the vaccine. However, after they were here and we were really looking into their illness, it was from a different for a different reason. So some other underlying condition going on that they attributed to the vaccine side effects. Um, so they thought, you know, their weakness was from the vaccine and it was from something else or it was from dehydration and, and they thought it was from the vaccine. And, and to add to that, how about those folks that may have been fully vaccinated, contracted the disease after they were fully vaccinated? Have you had any of those on an inpatient basis? So we've, we have treated patients who have contracted COVID after they've been fully vaccinated. It's been less than 10 patients, and, um, and each one of them had immunocompromised conditions, which led to them needing to be hospitalized. So it was less than 10 people. We've been in contact with the Illinois Department of Public Health to make sure that they look at each of those cases to make sure it wasn't uh, a a variant of the disease, a strain that caused it to be um, to, for them needing to be hospitalized. I noticed that the Pfizer vaccine has now been approved for younger folks in the 12 to 15 year old range. And I assume that's still under an emergency authorization. But my question is, are most medical professionals recommending that their 12 to 15 year old patients get vaccinated? Absolutely. The Pediatric Society fully supports vaccinating children. And we'll be hearing soon whether uh, Moderna will get approved for it as well. But nobody, the physicians that are pediatricians here, they are all supportive of using the Pfizer vaccine. Does it, do you know if, um, if the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is being tested on that age group also? I, I don't know that. And so my, my next question relates to the fact that we'll, there's a good chance we'll need a booster shot down the road, and we're not sure about that, but is the medical community hoping that that booster shot going forward is either the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or something that maybe is developed subsequently that doesn't need to be stored at extremely cold temperatures? Does that make the whole process that much easier? Well, it would make it easier if we had a problem storing things, but since we've already established the ability to store, 
we don't care what it is, we will be able to store it and we'll be able to deliver it. So I think we're well set up for whatever booster they come out with. Can you give me an update on the uh, number of hospital um, employees who've been vaccinated or not number, but percentage? Is it still at 72%? Still at 72. We haven't made much progress. <laughs> and how about an update on how many uh, vaccines the uh, health system has administered so right now, the total number of individuals receiving at least one dose of the vaccine is 54,276. The total number of individuals fully vaccinated is 48,104. The total number of EE health employees vaccinated is 6,298. So if you add all that up together, we have vaccinated over 100,000. We have given over 100,000 vaccines. And, and right now, those vaccines... Um, to non-employees at least, are all being given at the Downers Grove facility on Butterfield, correct? Correct. We did consolidate all of that over to Downers Grove. We have enough vaccine and um, we, we have enough hours of operation that we can reach the demand for everybody. And it's an easy place to just go into quickly, get your vaccine and get out very quickly. And do you know off the top of your head if that's Pfizer and Moderna or one or the other? I think we are only doing one of them, and I can't tell you which one it is. Okay. We, I think it's the um, Pfizer one that we're doing there, but I'm not positive. Sorry. That, oh, that's fine. And how's the current supply? It sounds like it's still pretty solid. Yes, we have absolutely all we need. And is Johnson & Johnson on the horizon for EE Health, or does it look like you're not going to get any of that? So far, we haven't received any. We're still open to it because we know some people will do that vaccine over the other ones, but we have not had the opportunity to get the vaccine. So one last question, and it relates to something I read about EE Health sending donations of personal protective equipment to uh, uh, India so, because they've got such problems there. Can you tell us a little bit about those donations and maybe uh, how, uh, how they're getting there? Yes, um, we, Edward Elmhurst Health, felt very strongly that we have to give back as people gave to us, and um, we felt very badly about what was going on in India, particularly the areas that um, have less access to health care. So Edward Elmhurst Health made the donation of 3,500 isolation gowns, 6,095 respirators, and 72,000 exam gloves to the National Council of Asian Indian Association, which will work with, with the National India Hub to ship the items to India to assist in the care of patients with COVID-19. The supplies will be distributed to rural hospitals and COVID-19 camps, which are being set up in schools and community centers throughout the country. India is averaging nearly 4,000 deaths and 400,000 new infections each day and has registered nearly 250,000 deaths and 23 million cases since the pandemic began. So we felt strongly that we needed to be helpful. And since we were uh, lucky enough to have enough supplies of personal protective equipment and enough to keep us going going forward, we decided we would do this donation. Well, and outside of the fact that it's the right thing to do, it it could also help with the pandemic in general, right? Because if you if there's one place where it, it it gets real serious, that can always carry over to other areas, right? Absolutely. We have to control this all across the world. And so if we can do our small part to help, we want to do that. How is morale among the staff as it 
relates to uh, dealing with a long pandemic? You know, we are very, very lucky here at Edward Elmhurst in that we have very strong belief in wellness and in terms of celebrating our staff and helping them deal with stress. And so I think I think people are hopeful for the future and are feeling supportive. We had Nurses Week uh, two weeks ago. We had Hospital Week last week. We did a lot to celebrate, and I think that helps with morale. I do know, though, because I do have a daughter who's a nurse in more of a rural area of Illinois, that nursing right now across at least Illinois, and I'm assuming other places in the country, nurses are really burned out and uh, feeling devalued and feeling very frustrated with profession. And I think it's the the ongoing pressure of having to take care of patients with um, COVID-19. And it's because of the um, how draining it is to constantly be putting on and taking off this protective equipment and how um, how much work it takes to take care of a patient that you can't get close to and because you're covered up with all of this equipment. Um, And I think that I'm very worried about nurses not feeling supported and not um, wanting to stay in the profession because there's a lot of young nurses that are disillusioned after this last year. So I, I say to those nurses out there, this has been a temporary phenomenon. Hopefully we won't have something like this again. Uh, but you were so, so necessary and so helpful. And thank you for all the work you did everywhere in this state and across the country, because we wouldn't have made it through without each and every one of you. And hopefully you can do some things to take care of yourself. We as an organization can help take care of you so that you stay in the profession because you're very needed. Well, I want to echo those sentiments because I know how the general public has dealt with this whole pandemic and there's been a lot of depression and anxiety and every one of us has felt at least a a certain amount of that and I can't imagine being on the front line every day that that just can't get to those folks after a while so uh good job and uh we're we're all proud of you and uh keep smiling if you can Thank you. I agree. It's uh we all need to keep smiling. We all need to keep supporting each other cuz You know, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully this light will just continue to get brighter. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today, Pam, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. You too. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right. Nine feet in diameter. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.